0: Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, along with Dr. James Polo. And sometimes Dr. Polo says the most fascinating things that have me thinking later in the day. I wish i had asked him more about that. Today, that topic is going to uh, be the one that's been on my mind for several weeks. It's because Dr. Polo talks about this, the locus of control being something that we should all be able to return to, especially in times when we feel unease and anxiety. And this week in particular, probably lots of our listeners are right there with us. Where does this locus of control come from? Is this, it almost sounds like it could be an Asian reference. So, locus
1: control is the concept of thinking about what are the things within your kind of awareness, what are the things that are within your power to actually do something about them? What is it that you actually control versus what are the things that you, you do not control? And the reason why this is an important concept is because very often in the course of working with patients, we at some point talk about, well, you know, is it really worth spending a lot of time and a lot of effort and having a lot of anxiety over things that you can't do anything about? And wouldn't it be better to focus on the things that you actually can do something about? Mm-hmm. And so locus of control is a is a very important concept that ultimately can relate to each one of us in terms of how we approach the world, how we deal with stress, how we handle uncertainty. It's a concept that ultimately all of us can learn from.
0: So it's fascinating because as human beings, I think probably the way that we evolved was to be alert to these outside influences, to be aware of what's happening beyond our control, to know what kind of animal might be there (laughs) to eat us next, right? Yes. And so how do we determine which of those things we should actually be paying attention to and which we shouldn't
1: there are some that are kind of obvious and then there are others that are not so obvious so i I give you a great example from my younger days i will never forget uh, i was in the military and i went in for my over 30 physical Uh, i was turning 30 and you have to get a physical and you know i just assumed they'll tell me i'm healthy because what 30 year old is not healthy And my doctor, who was a good friend of mine, actually, you know, did everything, did all the, you know, screening labs and everything. And he said to me, Jim, you've gained 15 pounds since your last appointment when you were 28 and you're getting overweight. And in fact, you're now over the edge where I have to tell you that you really need to lose weight. It's going to impact your cholesterol. It's going to impact all these other things. And he said to me the following, he said, you can't control if you have underlying cholesterol. You can't control if you have underlying hypertension, but you can control your weight and you can control getting physically active. And it was life-changing. That's a great,
0: that's a really great example of it.
1: It was life-changing because I need to work out because it's good for me. I can't wait till later. And since then, I've actually been pretty good about kind of prioritizing my own health in terms of maintaining my weight and working out and being healthy. It's had a lifelong impact.
0: So I want to ask you, Dr. Polo, because right now I think it's such a significant time for humans who maybe haven't developed these strong structures around their well-being because COVID felt like it's going to take away any sense of control that you might have had. Then there's this double blow for those people who maybe had a family member who got sick or they got sick. And then there's this triple blow of the economic um, uncertainty. And I would imagine that it's probably pretty easy to say, okay, it's still at the top of my priority to work out and be healthy when you've got one thing that's uh, out of control. But if you have like this myriad of things crashing down on you, how do you make sure to keep those priorities and that sort of sense of calm and order and really looking at the overarching view of your life rather than the minutiae? that we all get stuck in when we're in these very, very extreme situations?
1: That, that's a, a really great question.
0: All of us struggle with the world around
1: us. All of us have stress. All of us kind of have anxiety related to certain things, but it's different for different people. So, you know, one of the things that you have to be kind of doing um, in moments of self-reflection is you have to ask yourself, well, what are the things that are causing me stress right now? What are the things that are making me feel uptight or anxious? What is impacting me in a way that I just don't, you know, feel like I normally do? And when you can identify for yourself what those things are, that then is the first step to asking, okay, how can I then begin to do something about it? So, for example, if you're the person, that worries about what you know, getting infected could be like, then the reality is there, there's gonna come a point where no amount of reading more about it is gonna change or impact your ability to control whether you do or don't get infected. Right. On the other hand, the things that you do control might be, hey, look, um, I do control the fact that I can wear a mask, which they say decreases my chances. I do control the fact that I don't have to, you know, gather in large settings with lots of people. I I do control the fact that I don't need to go to the store unless I'm really there to buy something. And so I'm in and out. And so you can actually minimize your risk in such a way that now you're not worrying about the wrong thing. Mm. I'm not saying that you won't get infected. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is you can control certain things about getting infected, and there's certain things you cannot control. So, for example, you you don't know who else is infected. You can't see the little viruses floating in the, around in the air, so you can't. No matter how much you want to worry about who's infected, the reality is you'll never know because you just don't control the ability to figure that out.
0: So, do you see the correlation between the people who are most anxiety ridden about COVID and the amount of information that they consume regarding COVID?
1: Uh, yes, and in fact, we've really we've really ramped up our efforts to try to educate people on this. You know, let me think of a different example. Do you remember back in the early times of the Iraq War? There was lots yeah. of media reports when somebody died. And those were hard to read sometimes. Yeah. And if you happened to be a parent that had a child, or if you happened to be a friend of somebody that was deployed, and you read those every single day, right. you'd be so afraid and you would be worried that something was going to happen. And yet the reality is death in that period of conflict was far less likely than it was for any other conflict we've had.
0: Yeah.
1: In fact, I remind people the reason why you could Write a story about each individual person that was dying was because so few people were dying compared to previous wars.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm.
1: So media attention... Does tend to go in the direction of the things that grab people's kind of curiosity on things that are negative mm. or bad or sudden. Um, and you can get a little bit of a distorted sense of what reality is, in fact. Mm. And so if you already know that reading something is creating anxiety, you have to ask yourself, well, why do I keep reading it then? Why am I exposing myself? And that's where I think this media attention on COVID can be a, a double edged sword. I think people are reading the media because they want to know what's going on and they want to be apprised of what they might be able to expect. But the problem is the media is so saturated that on a day-to-day basis, there's nothing new different happening, but yet you're spending all that time focusing on something that is anxiety-provoking all by itself.
0: I, I it's so interesting that you bring that up um, because i've been having conversations with my sister who's deeply concerned right now about global warming and trying to figure out where she could move where climate change wouldn't impact as much as she, where she 's living and i'm I was thinking like I, that's one of those things where I feel like she almost has too much information, and that as as real as it is and as relevant as it is to try to find a, a better place to live she's not really dealing with the things that are in her control right now which would be to clear the brush around her home so that there wasn't impacted by fires to make sure that she has adequate water supplies in her well like there's many things she could be doing rather than the worry about moving so i'm fascinated by that because i there's parallels there it's almost like the information suck has taken her into a place of much more anxiety
1: You know, it's interesting because global warming is one of those issues that kind of helps us understand the complexity of how we live in societies because each individual person doesn't necessarily have the ability to impact global warming, but all of us together actually do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the individual that tells me they're afraid of our carbon footprint or they're afraid or, you know, that this is something that weighs heavily on their mind, I might say to them, you know what? There are a couple of things you can do. So for example, uh, buy an electric car instead of a gas car. Cost you a little bit more, but you'll feel like you're contributing. Yeah. Now, the reality is though that leadership and the way that societies work has a huge impact on being able to get folks moving in the same direction. Because if everybody said to themselves, I'm worried about global warming and I'm worried about our carbon footprint, and I'm going to switch over to electric cars instead of, you know, gasoline cars. We know that will make an impact. In fact, mm-hmm. we know that will make an impact because early in the COVID, we, we saw a significant decrease of use of automobiles, which had <laughs> yeah. an impact on the, uh, on the environment. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's two levels when you have to think about it. You know, obviously, as a psychiatrist, I'm usually helping people help themselves. So Right.
0: So I love that you brought up leadership, and that um, with um, appropriate leadership, right now there's probably you know forty or fifty percent of our audience that is feeling like the most recent election results will leave us leaderless. Um, Because this is one of those overarching things that you can't control. How does one think about the fact that they believe America is headed in the wrong direction?
1: You know, the the first thing I would say is that I think our country has gone through periods before where we felt like we were heading in the wrong direction. Mm. And we didn't end up getting where people thought we were going to get that was bad. There's no question that currently there's a lot of divisiveness. Now, that is indirectly, r- really the beauty of what democracy is all about, which allows people to think differently, and hopefully discuss things in a way that allows some kind of consensus, so to speak, you know, what's good for all of us to kind of emerge. And I think that sometimes it's harder in the moment of that conflict to see the outcome uh, as being positive it's it's much easier to look back in time later and say oh see this didn't turn out to be the worst thing in the world mm. and and, uh, and i'm trying to choose my words very carefully I'll, I'll be very honest with you there's there's a lot of concern about Where are we? Where are we going? You know, is the country working together or not? And, you know, do people really care about their neighbors or not care about their neighbors? Or do they Mm. care really more about one particular thing over a different particular thing? And the the reality is life is very complex. There are many different important things that we have to worry about all all at the same time. Mm. So, you know, I believe in the spirit of American democracy, it's not perfect. There's lots of Challenges with you know folks that sometimes don't agree with what you might agree with, but I think allowing that to happen is is still ultimately the right thing for us as as a society.
0: You know that great quote, um, "The moral arc of progress bends toward the betterment of society," is something like that. Do you believe that, Dr. Polo? That I I I do actually.
1: Let me see if I can uh, frame it in the following way. I do think sometimes we as a nation, start heading in the direction that's probably not the best. But I also think that we as a nation are able to learn from those missteps so that course correction occurs. You know, we, we figure it out and we say, oh, we got to change. So let me give you a very simple example. The framers of our constitution, the authors of our declaration had a great, great, approach to thinking about what democracy was all about. And clearly in the 1700s, that didn't include African Americans. They didn't have it perfect. They had a great idea and they had some great concepts. It's taken us a long time to really learn that when you say all men, you have to really mean all men. Right. So we don't get it perfect. But when we do figure out things aren't quite working well, I think democracy is what allows us then to try again to get it right and chances are we'll never get it 100%.
0: I have the belief that uh, for me, one of the most grounding things when the world is spinning around me and everything feels beyond my control is some sense of order and also a routine. How important is that when you're speaking with your your clients about developing some sort of order and routine to their life? So I think that routine
1: and order are important. And in fact, uh, particularly for young kids. In fact, I, I talk with parents about this all the time. Routine and order gives us a structure to rely on. Uh, structure provides us a sense of what to expect and by default provides a sense of security. Now the challenge is you don't want to be so routine and so ordered that you're not able to be flexible when it's necessary to be Flexible. So I I'll give you a, a very simple example. Let's say that um, you know you want a child uh, to go uh, to school every day, and you get into a routine of you know eating at the right time and getting dressed at the right time, and we're going to go out uh, to the bus stop at the right time, and the bus is going to come and take you off to school. And the the kids all used to that order, and then suddenly the parent says, "Gee." They just said that school is opening two hours late today. So you tell the kid, hey, you don't have to go in right away because today school is going to be two hours late. Well, there are some kids, believe it or not, I've seen them as patients. <laughs> they can't deal with that. But we always eat at 8 o'clock and we always get dressed. And they'll go mm-hmm. out to, versus the child that says, oh, this is, this is a Great. wonderful surprise. Yeah. I don't have to get dressed today, <laughs> right. so I'm not going to get dressed. Yeah. But the next day when school is back in session at the right time, they can default back to their routine.
0: Lastly, I just think I would love to hear the advice that you're giving to people who are in real economic uncertainty, Dr. Polo, because I think that that's one of the hierarchical needs and economic certainty just seems to provide for all the other shelter, food, everything else that we need to go on as human beings. And so how do you provide comfort in some sort of sense that things will work out to people who may have lost their jobs and don't know where their next job is going to come from? So first of all, there is no question
1: that there are times in people's lives where their economic situation is devastating. The reality is sometimes the the challenge that somebody might be having is is unavoidable and no amount of any recommendation is going to overcome the fact that, hey, you don't have rent this month. Right. So we already talked about focusing on the things that you control versus those that you do not. Okay. Right. Generally in times of uncertainty, people have a lot of fears and generally we default to our worst fears. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I remind people is that whatever your worst fears are, are not likely the ones that are going to occur. So Mm -hmm. for example, the worst fear might be, I'm going to lose my job. Okay. Well, we might all lose our job, but if that's all you focus on, you're going to get fired because you're not focusing on just doing your job. Right. So the, one of the things I recommend is don't focus on your worst fears. In fact, focus on your values over your fears. Mm. The second thing I'll, I'll generally recommend to folks is think optimistically. If you think about things turning out well, then you're thinking forward into the future and you're more likely to move it in that direction. Mm. If you're thinking pessimistically, you're more likely thinking about blame and you're focusing on the past. And the reality is you never know what's coming in, in the future. It's always a surprise. And if you're excited about at least moving forward, you're more likely to help shape what you really want it to be. Now, when it comes specifically to, you know, financial difficulties on the personal level, I remind folks, hey, look, there's all kinds of things that are out there to assist you. And you probably have many more friends than you actually realize. Would you help somebody if they were having difficulties? Mm. And the reason why I ask them that is because one of the difficult things that we have trouble doing in our lives is asking others for help. Yeah. For some people, it's a pride thing. But sometimes when you need help, you have to be willing to ask for it. And in fact, in mental health, the only way you're going to be able to get any treatment is you have to first say, I want some help. And Mm. I want help because I think I might have a problem. Well, it works the same thing in in finances. If you're you're having a difficulty, you got to think about, okay, I have to ask for help. Can't do this on my own. Mm. So there's a lot of things that you can do to just reframe what you're thinking as a way of looking at things a little bit more positively.
0: Dr. Polo, you know, I wish we had open call hours for the number of people who probably have questions about their own things in their life. But if you're listening and you do have a question or a topic that you'd like Dr. Polo and I to take up, to send us an email at sheila.hamilton at beyondwell. We would love to hear your thoughts about the show and your comments and concerns. Dr. Polo, thanks again. It's so wonderful to see you. Thank you, Sheila. Make it a great day.